Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Hope Is Here podcast. My name is Gabe Schumacher, and you are listening to episode 22 titled, If God is for you, then who can be against you? Pretty excited about this one. Just to give you a little bit of background, um, I actually took some notes for this one. Um, so most of my podcasts, I just kind of pick a point and just kind of start going. But in this one, I, you know, I opened up my notebook and I wrote down stuff. So I kind of have some notes to go off of, but at the same time, you know, we're just going to be flowing because that's, that's just, you know, just going to be talking and it's going to be a good time. So, I mean, I'm always excited to make another episode. So here we go, you know? All right. Well, just a recap from last episode. So I have that notebook where we went over a couple or three different things and I titled it a few things about the big man. Well, that's, Obviously, that's God. So, I ended up with over 130 things about the big man in there. It went from a few to over, it's like 138 that I have listed in there, or 150, I don't remember. But anyways, I took three points, three of the next points down, and those points are, one, he's never failed and never will. Two, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you, which is James 4, 8. And point three, God wants you to walk in divine protection and not be afraid so starting with point number one joshua 21 45 says not a single one of all the good promises the lord has given to the family of israel was left unfulfilled everything he had spoken came true so in that we see joshua 1 2 to 3 um the promised land was promised canaan was promised and they got that at the end of chapter 3 joshua 1 5 victory was promised and no one ever overtook Joshua, so that is complete victory. Joshua 1.13 was the next promise that God gave Israel, and that was rest. Rest was promised once they got into the promised land, because in the same breath that God said he's going to give them the land, he said that when they get there, they will enter into rest, which is also at the end of chapter 3. So all of these promises tie into each other. They all flow together because, um, oh, oh, sorry. I don't know if that made a big sound or not. Oh, I dropped my notebook. Okay. Hold on. One second. So like stepping into stepping into Canaan was victory, and victory was ultimately rest. So now before we go further, we've got to agree that God is holy. He is totally perfect and incapable of making a single mistake. He is unbeatable. Now, with that being said, like I said before, this this episode is titled if God is for you, who can be against you? And that comes from Romans 8.31. And we're going to go into Romans 8.31 and 32, which says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So, alright. The question is somewhat rhetorical in this verse. I've always looked at it and kind of thought of it as a rhetorical question, because it's like, if God's for us, well, who can be against us? Kind of like um, when David was like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? It was like, who does he think he is? Obviously, I'm going to go out there and beat him because he's in, he has no covenant with God, and I have covenant with God, so therefore, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to win. That's basically what David was saying, and therefore, that's what Paul is pretty much saying in Romans 8.31. Like, if God is for you, if a holy, unbeatable God who promises and never fails, if that God is for you, who can be against you? 
The answer is no one. Nobody can come against you. and Well, they can come against you because the weapon may be formed, but the Bible says that that weapon will not prosper. So that's that's pretty awesome because if God is for you, ultimately you have victory just in the fact that God is for you and that he's walking with you and that he's fighting for you, it says in Deuteronomy. All right. Total victory in every area is yours through Christ Jesus. See that all throughout the scripture? We see that in this because if God is for us, who can be against us? We just have the God-given right to go out and win in whatever situation we're in. Now, something that I find interesting and something that I've kind of gone over before um, in previous podcast episodes and just kind of that I think about a lot and that it really pops up in the Bible a lot. It pops up a lot in Joshua. It pops up a lot in Deuteronomy, you know, in, in those first and way back there on the left-hand side of the Bible, it pops up. But it pops up all over the place. And we're going to go into several of those verses um, coming up here. But I find that do not fear is often paired with for I am with you. I believe that if God is with you, it would be stupid to sincerely fear. Now, I like, now don't, don't like, you know, don't take that the wrong way. What I'm saying is it's okay to have thoughts of fear. Like, on, like thoughts are going to pop into your head, okay? That's why the Bible says take every thought captive, okay? Because you can't necessarily control everything that comes into your ear gates. I mean, the devil's going to attack you. Things are going to happen. But it's up to you to decide whether you're going to let that hit your mouth. Because the moment that you begin to doubt in your heart, that's when it's over. And how you doubt in your heart is you claim it with your tongue. Because the claim, the, the, the tongue is the rudder of the ship, you know, just a really small part, but it can change the total course of it you know just like the bit in a horse's mouth it it says in james just a small bit but it changes the whole direction of that horse okay so i do think it would be kind of dumb to completely fear but if you have those thoughts of fear take it captive to the obedience of christ remind the devil but more importantly remind yourself who you are and who you have fighting for you i mean think about it the small shepherd boy going out against this monster of a man I mean, it's kind of undeniable, like, you look at that, and statistically, you'd probably just be like, he's going to lose. But David was like, no, God is for me. Who is this man with no covenant? I have covenant. I'm going to beat this thing. And that should be our mentality in life. That should be our mentality when we tackle any obstacle, when we tackle any trial. Trials are really good because they can either tear us down. They're, I mean, they're, they're not dangerous. I won't put it that way. I'll just say, depending on how you handle them, they can either be really good or really bad. They can either build you up. And, you know, let patience complete its perfect work in you. I think that's how it goes, maybe. I don't remember. Don't quote me on that. But trials can either be really good for you and build you up, or they can just tear you down time after time again. And it is all up to you to decide how you are going to let that trial affect you and your life and your situation. You have to take every thought captive, like I just said. Now, Hebrews 13.6 says something Basically, along the lines of confidently say, we can confidently say that God helps us. If if God helps us, what can man do to us? Hebrews 13, 6 says. Now, moving on to the second point of, what is the second point? Let's see. I got them written down here so I can tell you. <laughs> draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. James 4, 8. Okay. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about my testimony and things where I've seen this really come through. Okay. So, Basically, I don't really, like, I can give somebody a a rough estimate of, you know, kind of what my life story is, 
you know, and stuff like that. My testimony, um, I've heard that you can have several testimonies because a testimony is just a testament of what God has done in your life. And God has done so much in my life. So everybody has multiple testimonies, okay? But just part of my, you know, big life testimony thing is, a, you know, it's it's kind of been an up and down yo-yo kind of deal um, in my relationship with God, I feel like. I'm not really proud to say that, but I can't say that I've stayed consistently in the Word. I can't say that I've stayed consistently, you know, out of sin. I've fallen in and out of different things, and it's just, I look back and it's just ridiculous. It's like, man, I want to have a good, clean, perfect record. And that slate is wiped clean in Christ, but I want to look back and just know I did it well, you know. But when I do fall, I have an advocate at the right hand of the Father that takes down every single accusation that the accuser, Satan, brings against me. We see that in Zechariah 3 when uh, Joshua, or Yeshua, the high priest, um, basically it says that Satan, the accuser, is coming after him, but we have an advocate. And his filthy clothes are taken off and he's given new clothes which represents all that bad sin taken off and you're given new clothes. But anyways, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. So what I've seen is when I've like, quote unquote, fallen away from God or whatever you want to say, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say backslide because I'm still here, you know, but um, when I've like fallen away in some type of way, whatever, you, however you want to put it, the moment that I decide to come back to God, when I say, Lord, I'm, I'm sick of this, I need you, he's always right there. He's always right there. And, you know, something that I've noticed, and I don't know if I've talked about it before or not, but throughout every single season of my life, I can tell you, honestly, that I felt God through it all. I felt strong, deep conviction through it all. I think that's why it was, like, some of the most memorable, in a way, and toughest times, is because I was fighting against God and I knew it, you know. But that's so good. I You can either look at that like, oh, man, I'm fighting against God. This is miserable. Or, you know, like, in hindsight, or you can be like, man, God was always right there wanting to bring me back and wanting to draw me back. How incredible is that, that God always wants to take you back? There's never a person too far gone. You um, you read Nehemiah 9, I believe it is. Somewhere in Nehemiah, it's talking about Israel was back with God, then they fell away. They're back with God, they fell away. They, they created gods, they made gods for themselves, they blasphemed God, but God was always right there and he always gave them a second chance. I read that this morning and... I, it just, it was so incredible to me because it just reminded me of my life. You know, I was like, oh, that's the same thing. I've fallen in and out, but God always brings me back, you know? So notice how you have to take the first step though. Oh, I'm on the wrong page. I was looking where my, no I know I had that in my notes. Anyways, notice how you have to take the first step. We do know that God is holy and faithful. So if we draw, he will 100% guaranteed draw near to us because God's word is true. And if he breaks a single part of it, just the tiniest thing, one word, if he breaks one word of his word, he can't be God because he can't be holy. And God is holy. And if God is imperfect, therefore, that makes him a liar. And that makes my total existence and everybody else who has ever believed in God, their existence, it just doesn't mean anything. Because if God's not real, what even am I? Where did I come from? All that stuff, you know. But anyways, I mean, well, like even in Joshua twenty one forty five, the verse that we went over at the start of the podcast. The New King James, so I have the New Living Translation written down there. The New Living Translation says, Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. But the New King James says, Not a single one of the words that the Lord God has spoken. They, he, the, excuse me. 
The New King James doesn't use good promises. It uses not a single word. God didn't break a single word that he said. That's incredible. That is what makes him God is because he's holy and perfect and good. God is good and he's awesome and it's great and he's just really good. You should really know him because it'll totally change your life around. Um, okay, so anyways, talk, talking a little bit about my testimony in that aspect um, and basically what I was trying to get at in that was God is always right there. Right now, if, if you're in a time of where you don't feel close to God, just reach out. God is not mad. He He's not mad. It The Bible says that it's really hard to get him angry. And he's not angry with you because you're his son, man. You're his daughter. He loves you so much. He wants to take you back. He's sitting there like like the prodigal son. That that um the prodigal son he ran so far away and when he came back, he said, "Father, I'm not even worthy to be one of your servants." I'm, or I'm not even worthy to be one of your sons. Just take me back as a servant. And the father ran to him. It didn't say he walked and met him at the end of the driveway. He ran to his son and said, welcome home. Everybody, kill the fatted calf. Put a robe on him, a ring on his finger. We're having a party because my son is home. God is waiting for you to just come home, but you have to draw near. It says in James, you have to draw near. It says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I believe when you take the smallest step to draw near to God, he will take 10 times the bigger steps towards you because he loves you so much. We don't love God because we just chose to love him one day. We love God because he first loved us. So the one who first loved you is willing to go to the most extreme measures to get you back. He Romans 8:32 says that he didn't even he didn't even spare his own son. The one who his only son, his only begotten son, he didn't even spare him for you. He sent his son to die on the cross for the whole entire world. And when Jesus was on that cross, he was thinking about you because he loves you. He loves you so much with a love that is uncomprehendable to the human mind because our minds are so finite. God is so infinite. We're so natural and he's so supernatural. But we can be supernaturally natural if we just press into him and we look to him for our victory, not anything else. All right, where are we? So if you're in need, if you're in need or not, just why not draw close to the one who's never lost? Because if you and God are drawn together, you're, you're going to be prepared for anything. You're going to be set for absolutely anything. All right. Now the third point, God wants you to walk in divine protection and not be afraid. So now we're going to kind of, this point is kind of one in the same of he's the first point. He's never failed and never will. So like I said, do not fear, and for I am with you, those two phrases kind of always go hand in hand. Like, you're not supposed to fear because he's with you, and if he's with you, why fear? Because he's with you, the one who's never lost, the one who is holy, the one who fights for you. He's with you, why be afraid? You have covenant with God, why would you be afraid of something that doesn't have covenant with God? See what I'm saying? So, for this last point, um, I'm just going to go through... A bunch of verses about God being with you and not fearing because of it. Because it's it's all throughout the Bible. I mean, I have, I mean, I, I googled a bunch of stuff and so much of that came up. Like, fear not for I'm with you. Fear not for I'm with you. That phrase, but in so many different types of ways is it written out. So like, you know, Deuteronomy 31.6, Joshua 1.5, 1 
Hebrews 13, 5-6, Joshua 1, 9. And like write these down and go through them because honestly, they're very, very encouraging. As I was reading them and writing them down, it was like, I was like, oh man, like that is some very like good, powerful stuff. Joshua 1, 9, you know, the verse that most everybody knows except me. Uh, that's why I'm looking it up right now. Um, because it is really good. I just want I just want to get it right, you know. Joshua one. Well, Joshua one six is really good. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. We're just gonna keep on reading into nine. Only be strong and very courageous. So only strong and very courageous. That's what God has, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Here it is. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right, man. So like that that was, I, what I just read there, that was really good. I was not expecting to read that. But we might as well dive into it just a little bit before we're done here. Um, notice how when you get into the word, when you start to meditate on God, that's when you will prosper. That's when you will become successful. Matthew 6.33 says to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you. You're not supposed to go after money. You're not supposed to chase after that thing. You're supposed to chase after Jesus. And all that stuff will come. Money is not bad. You know, so many people make a really big deal of, oh my goodness, you have this, you have that, that. No man, seek first the kingdom. It's like, what if they did seek first the kingdom and now all of it's being added to them? Like, money's not bad. Nice things aren't bad. But without Jesus, they are because then they're a God. So you have to make God your God. And then everything else will just fall into place. But you don't make God your God so that you can get stuff. You make your God because he's loved you, so you love him, and the stuff is just a byproduct. Stuff is not bad. Okay, I'll stand by that because I like nice things. I mean, they're nice things. God says that no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has even entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. He has a mansion for me in heaven. You can't tell me that God doesn't like stuff. He has a mansion prepared, streets of gold, gold so pure that it's clear. I mean, I've never seen heaven. I know, I believe some people have that have came back or visited it or whatever. But, I mean, God's not poor. And God wants God wants you to prosper. God wants you to live good, you know, because then you can just glorify him. You can say, look at what the Lord has done. So, anyway, that's a totally different subject, um, sort of. We're just going to keep on rolling. So anyway, Joshua 1, nine. that's a really good one. Keep it on going. Isaiah 41.10, Psalm 23.4, Isaiah 41.13, John 14.27, Psalm 91.4-5, Jeremiah 42.11, Isaiah 43.1. It's, there's just a lot of good stuff in there. I like Isaiah 43. I got, I got to find that one too. Um. Okay. 
Isaiah 43.10 is a really popular one, and maybe even a little bit before that. Um, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Then you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor, nor shall they be after me. I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and saved, I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore you are my witnesses, says the Lord. That I am God. Okay, that's that's not right. I'm forty-one ten, not forty-three ten. I just kept reading to see if it would pop up, but I kind of felt like it wasn't right. So we're gonna go to forty-one ten. And that's right. Yeah, okay. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Man, we we could go into that stuff all day. I mean all day, all night. Just how if God's for you, who can be against you? He loves you. Fear not because he loves you. Fear not because he's with you, and because he's with you, fear not. I mean, it's so good. I mean, it's great. The God who's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who still is to come, the Almighty One. That is our God. Jesus said that. I mean, he is so good. He's so great. And he's coming back, which is really exciting. So, yeah. Well, one more thing. I, I took some notes. Um, I was taking a lot of notes earlier this morning and stuff. And, um, you know, just the power, the power of God. And, and kind of what I wrote down is just kind of now translating into this episode a little bit. But the in Genesis 1, chapter 1 to... chapter 2 verse 4 that kind of that's the six seven days of creation in in that part of scripture there now in genesis 1 2 the spirit of god is hovering over the surface of the waters in 1 3 light in verse 3 when god spoke light happened and the separation of light and darkness happened in 1 6 to 8 the sky was made in 1 9 to 10 the land and sea was formed in 111 to 12, vegetation began to sprout. In 116, the the two great lights were being formed, the moon and the sun. In chapter 120 to 21, fish swarmed the sea, birds formed and filled the sky. In chapter 124 to 25, the earth the earth produced every kind of animal. In chapter 126 to 27, God created something in his own image. He put his own image on the earth. Now, if that God who did all of that stuff created everything we ever know, if that God is for you, why would you be afraid? He loves you so much. He wants the best for you, and he's walking right beside you. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. I mean, he'll, he'll bring you through it. Whatever you're going through, he's got you. He's going to bring you through if you trust in him and lean in him. Don't lean on anything else. Don't push into anything else. Push into Jesus because he loves you and he wants the best for you. And he knows what's the best for you. He is the only one that knows exactly what you need exactly when you need it. Luke 12 says that the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say exactly when you need to say it. He's got you. He knows exactly what you need. Even if you don't think you know what you need, just trust in him. Trust in the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and comfort you and help you. That's what he's here for. He's awesome. He's God. He's here to be your friend. If you need a friend, 
Good thing you got a friend in Jesus. I mean, he loves you, man. I just can't get over the fact that he loves you. The God who created everything loves you. The God who did all of these wonderful miracles, all of these things, who wrote this Bible, that God loves you individually. So that is some great news to end on. So for tonight, for today, this morning, wherever you may be, whatever, whatever's going on, that is all we got. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for the next episode, and I'm really excited about this episode. So I hope you guys learned something. I know when I do these, I learn stuff. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty awesome. I love doing this. It's really exciting. So this is episode 22. Make sure you tune in for the next episode, and we will catch you guys on that one. We'll see you guys later.